Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org. And don't forget to subscribe. Good morning, everybody. Tetleste. Paid in full. The cosmos has been turned right side up. No longer, no longer do we have to fear death. No longer do we have to be afraid of God. But we have hope and life and life in abundance. Yesterday, I had the great privilege of doing a lockdown wedding. It's like one of my favorite things to do in lockdown. Such an affirmation of life. Beautiful couple, Brent and Roxanne in this, in this congregation. And... Um, did the practice the day before on Friday, and uh, yesterday did the wedding, met the DJ and everybody on the Friday. So at the end of the wedding, the DJ comes to me, he says, I'm a Muslim. He says, I've never been to a Christian wedding before. He says, I've never felt so much love. And the Holy Spirit was there. The life of God was there. It was palpable. It was tangible. That's not me. As I walked in, this lady comes up to me. She says, who, who are you? Like, what do you mean, who are, who, who are you? There's like a, it's like a shine to you. No, I, hope, I hope it's here today. But <laughs> the glory of the Lord. So I said, no, I'm, I'm the pastor. She says, I knew it. I knew there was something about it. Come on. We are meant to manifest God. Yes. To bring God wherever we go. So today, if you're looking for a title of a sermon, it's Shema Israel. And I will explain what that means in a moment. Now, I've got good news and bad news and good news. Perfect sandwich, right? Now, you've already heard the first bit of good news. We've won. Jesus has won. And we get to be part of it. Now, the bad news is, is that I, and many of you, us, need to hear. You need to hear what God is saying to you today. Yes. And not just hear, change. Amen. So you're wonderful, you're beautiful, you're awesome, your mom told you that, we're telling you that. But there's some change needed. There's some change needed. That's the bad news. Nobody likes to be told they need to change, right? But the good news at the end is if you will change, if you will embrace it, you will live the life that you always wanted to live, the life of purpose and joy and fulfillment walking with God. Just praying for you. There's such a sense that, that, that we are living below, below, below what God intends us to live, that there's more. There is so much more. So good news is Jesus has done it. Bad news is there's change. Good news is if you embrace it, it will be well with you. Now let's go to Scripture. We're going to go to Mark. Mark is the shortest account of the gospel, the shortest account of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And Mark's account of Jesus' resurrection is the shortest. He cuts straight to the point. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared 
First to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. Who would like to be that person? She went and told those who had been, been with him and who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. Afterward, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they walked in the country. These returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as though eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Do you see this theme? They did not believe, they did not believe, they did not believe. Mary has seen him and she comes back and they did not believe. The two on the road to Emmaus, they'd seen him, they'd spoken to him, they did not believe. And now Jesus breaks through, and you can read about this in John 20, the whole account of doubting Thomas. Jesus walks through the walls and appears, and, and now they start to believe. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm judging them. I'm judging them. It's like Jesus said he would rise. It's all through Scripture. He said in three days I'm coming back. I'm, gonna, I'm coming back, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to resurrect and now they don't believe Mary. And they don't believe the two. It's so interesting how we hear and how we listen. Now, the Shema Israel was something that every good Jewish boy and Jewish girl was taught. And is still taught today. It's the most important of the Jewish prayers. It was considered to be a mitzvah. If you would say it twice a day, you know, then you've earned two brownie points for heaven. We don't believe in that, right? Okay? But according to their faith, you know, two mitzvahs. Two mitzvahs are earned by saying this prayer. Now, one of the greatest teachers, one of the greatest scholars, specifically in the area of Christian formation, is a man called Dallas Willard. And he wrote in a book called Divine Conspiracy. And he says, this is what Christianity isn't. And he says, Christianity isn't about perfect doctrine. Now, if you know me, if you know this church, we believe in being orthodox. So I'm not saying there's anything wrong with orthodoxy. But he's saying, having perfect theology is not what the Christian life is about. But have it, but that's not the essence of it. That's what the Pharisees were like. They had what they thought was perfect doctrine. Secondly, it's not external conformity. It's not right behavior. Now, please, behave yourself. Yes, you know, every, every parent says to their child, behave yourself. And, and it's good that we consider how we live our lives. But external conformity is, is not what's going to bring you life. It's not what's going to cause you to walk in the fullness. Neither the doctrine nor external conformity. Third thing, he says, it's not your spiritual experiences. Now, I want more of God. I want more of the presence of God, more of the Holy Spirit. I love His presence. Revival, Pastor Sass says. But even that does not make the Christian life. So it's not your perfect doctrine. It's not your good behavior. It's not your spiritual experiences. So what is it? This, This is what he says. He says, your Christian life... Your growth, your success, your prosperity, you going forward is found in this simple thing. Mm -hmm. Your ability to hear God, your ability to hear God speak to you, you personally. 
and your willingness to do what God has said. Yeah. A number of years ago, started to evangelize in our Greenside neighborhood, and we met this lady, Debbie, who cuts hair. So I started to take my boys to her, and I started to go to her and talking about Jesus to her, just down the road in Greenside. So one particular day, I needed to get a haircut, so I started to send her WhatsApp messages, you know, and uh, she starts responding. Now, I was running two conversations at the same time. You know you do that? You get into trouble? Anybody yeah, ever do that? Because yeah. okay, so I was talking to the campus guys. Okay, so I'm talking to Debbie, and Debbie's saying, can't do that time. And I'm saying, what about this time? And finally she says, this time, and if you come at this time, I can wash your hair beforehand. At the same time, the campus guys are saying to me, can we do a car wash here at Rosebank? And um, can we do a car wash here at Rosebank and earn some money? And uh, so then I respond, not to the campus guys, but to Debbie. I go, perfect. And you can wash my car as well. <laughs> she just offered to wash my hair and come and do it. And I'm like, great. And you can wash my car as well. The disciples, like me, they didn't hear. They didn't hear well. When we're not hearing God, we live way below what He intended. And we start to become a parody of ourselves. We're not the best version of ourselves. We're not walking in the fullness of ourselves. And, and you want to destroy a relationship, romantic relationship, job relationship, parent-child relationship, just never listen to the person. Just never listen and never do anything. So Jesus is concerned and he's like, boys, I told you. Why don't you believe it? And, and he literally comes in and brings correction to them. So the question is, is asked, um, why don't we listen? Why don't we listen? And, and often it's because we're distracted. Because there are so many other things that we're pursuing. Yeah. And we're so busy. And there's computer games and Netflix and shopping and our career and our money and our relationships. And so we're distracted and so we don't hear God. Sometimes the problem is that we don't think the person that's speaking to us has got anything worthwhile to say to us. Now this is the truth. God loves you. He knows you. His commands are for your good. His commands are to protect and to provide for you. And what He says to you generally and individually, is to bless you. That's right. So you don't want to be rolling your eyes at God as if like, you don't have anything good to say to me. Thirdly, sometimes we don't, we don't trust them. Sometimes we don't hear or listen to people because we don't trust them yeah. or because we feel let down or maybe we hurt. And I pray that healing would come into your heart and that you'd be able to trust again. You know, on last Tuesday, I believe it was, this waiter came to me at Croft & Co. and said to me, I'm healed. And I said, what? He said, you prayed for me two weeks ago, and I'm healed. Sure. This guy, Mandla, who I've been sharing the gospel with and praying for for years, I just even forgot him. So hallelujah for that. Amen. I pray for Nicola every meal. I pray for her every day. I pray for her every morning. But she's not healed yet. 
but I don't give up on God. I don't give up on God and I keep trusting and I keep asking and I keep believing. Don't allow your heart, sorry, your hurt to turn you away from God. Sometimes we don't listen because we just don't want to hear the truth. Imagine one night you come into this auditorium and you start crying out to God for your future and your desires to go to the nations and you're crying out to God and all of a sudden you hear an audible voice and he says to you, you're not called to go as a missionary, you're not called to go to the nations, but you're called to get your attitude right and to serve faithfully in this church for the rest of your life. And then you respond and go, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> because God hasn't said what you wanted him to say. Are you willing to hear what God is saying to you? Now, I'm judging the disciples. Jesus is judging them. And yet, I'm just like them. There's this theme all through Scripture, and it's about us hearing. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells the parable of the sower, and he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, I know you're listening to me, but, but are you a person who hears God from your heart? Do you really hear what God is saying to you for your life? And he says, if you can't understand this parable, if you can't grasp the essence of what I'm saying here, then like, are you going to understand anything? And he, and he tells a story about the seed that is sown, and how some seed falls on, on the wayside and goes quickly. And then he, pick up verse 16, he says, Others like seed sown on rocky places. People hear the word and once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. We know these people. They break our hearts. They come in, they respond for a season. But because it's shallow, they fall away. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Verse 18, still others like seeds sown amongst the thorns hear the word. But the worries of this world, of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desire for other things comes in and chokes the word, make it unfruitful. So just their life is crowded with other desires and concerns and desire for wealth. So the word is choked and so their life is unfruitful. Others like seeds sown on good soil. And remember, the seed is the word and, and the soil is, the, is your heart. They accept it and they produce a crop 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're listening to me. But will you really listen to God your whole life and become that soil that yields for 30, 60, 100 fold? Has God captured your heart? Do you trust Him? Do you love Him? Do you believe Him? Or is He just like a, a side gig? Just something on the side? Would it be if somebody walked into church and recognized you from work, they'd be like, oh, wow, I never knew you were a Christian. When this church was very small, when we first started it, there were about 60 people. And this young white guy joined the church, and I'm not going to tell you his name. Immense potential, immense. And he had just graduated from Raymond Bible School. 
and so much going for him. But he had one fatal flaw. You know, like the, the Greek epics, you know, the hero has got one, one Achilles heel, one flaw. And this was his flaw. Simple. He would not ever receive input. Ever. He was set on his ways, and that was it. Now, you speak to psychiatrists, and they tell you a common theme amongst people in psychiatric wards is the following. Arrogance, deception, and resentment. Arrogance is, I'm right, and you all wrong. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me I'm wrong. Arrogance. Deception is they lie to people, and they lie to themselves. And typically, if you start lying to people, eventually you'll be lying to yourself. And then resentment. You know, the, the universe is not the way it should be. So now I'm mad with the world. The very opposite is so biblical. And instead of arrogance, it's humility. Instead of deception, it's truth. Instead of resentful, it's gratitude. I don't like it when the click corrects me, my wife. Again and again. <laughs> but when I step back, I'm like, I'm so thankful. She loves me, and she wants me to be the best possible version of myself. She wants me to be the best man that I can be. When Simon and, and Tim help me and correct me and show me my ways, you know what? Once I've calmed down, <laughs> I'm grateful. I'm grateful. What you say? True story. True story. <laughs> I'm grateful. Maybe you feel like Balaam's donkey's talking to you. It's like, can't you just talk nicely to me? And why do you have to be so ugly about it? And you know, this this young man that I told you about. I see him on the streets. He he lives on the streets. He is so far from what he should have been what he could have been. And that puts the fear of God in me. Not that I think I'll end up on the streets, but you know, you might not end up on the streets physically, but just in your soul, you become like the prodigal son. You're just so far below the life that God intended for you. Because you just weren't here. Because you won't receive, you won't allow the word of God into your heart. Pastor Carol Gosman, one of our leaders, wrote this incredible book, which I highly recommend, and we run the course. It's called Hearing God's Voice. I quote, We need to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, both to order our lives by Scripture and to be led by the Spirit in the application of that truth. And the Bible is the ultimate prophetic word. So do you want to hear from God? First and foremost... Shake off the dust. Mm -hmm. Lift up your Bible Amen. and read it. Come on. Come and it on. might take a bit of time before it starts to seep into your bones and soul. But it will come alive. Amen. That's it. And it will transform you. It is life and bread for you. Just switch off that TV, switch off that cell phone and pick up that Bible. Amen. And let God speak to you. Again, and again, and again. Sometimes, 
The problem is we just don't want to hear. So our lives become tragedies. And we become parodies, very bad versions of ourselves. Now, in addition to the word, how does God speak? He speaks through community. Church community, trusted people. People who love us enough to disagree with us. You know, it's not about your posse, your crew, who just tells you you're awesome the whole time. What you need, what I need, what I'm so grateful for are people who tell me the truth. The Bible says rather wounds from a friend than kisses from an enemy. You don't want somebody to tell you you look beautiful in the dress when actually you don't, right? I appreciate when people speak the truth to me. I might not appreciate it instantly all the time, but I'm so grateful. In addition to the word, in addition to, to community, the church, God speaks to us through, through images. Sometimes it's dreams. And, uh, and we're going to have later on this year, uh, we'll run this course, we'll have a sermon series, just about how to hear God and, and how to follow the Holy Spirit. Sometimes He speaks in dreams and visions. Sometimes you just get a glimpse. Sometimes He speaks audibly. Sometimes it's a still, small voice, like He spoke to Elijah. Sometimes it's tactile that we can feel. You can feel a heat in your hands. You're meant to pray for somebody. Sometimes you feel a pain in your joints and you're meant to pray for somebody to do that. Sometimes you just know. You just, it's intuitive perception. You know, the more you listen to God, the more He'll speak to you. Isn't it like that in any relationship? The more the, that person feels like you're receiving them, the more they'll speak to you. Let's not be like the Pharisees who had perfect doctrine. Let's not be like those people who act outwardly. You know? They look good on the outward, but it's just external conformity. And let's not just be people who experience God, but let us be people who hear His voice for us uniquely. He wants to speak to you personally. And then we don't just hear it, we do it. So I want to take you now to the New Testament expression of this great prayer. This Shema Israel that every good Jewish boy and girl learned. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food. If any one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm, be well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs. What good is that? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. We read on. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe there is one God. Okay, that's the Shema Israel. Here Israel, the Lord your God is one. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Basically saying, look, just that you believe in God, that's not enough. The devils believe in God. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. I want to juxtapose Greek thinking 
And uh, I apologize to Dimitri, who's my Greek friend in the first service. And I apologize to my wife's forebearers who are Greek. But I want to juxtapose Greek thinking, which has impacted Western world thinking, versus Hebrew thinking. Greek thinking, and the Greek language in particular, is more focused on subject and object. Hebrew thinking is focused on verbs. So in the, in, in the Hebrew mind, when you say, I am, I am being, that always includes action. It's not some sit on a rock and contemplate the universe being. Whereas the Greek mind says, I can be, but never do. But in the Hebrew mindset, there's no such thing. Because if you are, then you will do. And that's what James is saying here. If you believe, then it's going to be seen in your actions. There's a parable that Jesus told. But the man who builds his house on the rock. How do you build your house on the rock? What is the rock in the story? Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, action, and does them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Prior to the flood, prior to the storm, both houses looked great. And we sometimes look at other people's lives and we see the way they're living and we get tempted to go the way that they've gone. But when the storm came, it was revealed. Allow me to speak to you like a father today. This is what I'd say to my boys. Don't look at other people and say, you know, they're getting away with stuff. Let me try to do it as well. With the benefit of hindsight, with the benefit of age, I see time and time again people who, who hear but don't do how they build their lives on sand. Yeah. In the kingdom of God, 50% is not a pass mark. It's not enough just to hear. Yeah, that's right. It's not enough just to hear. Yeah. You've got to hear and do. You've got to hear and do. And as you hear and do, you build your life on the rock. And you know what you're supposed to do. And if you don't know, if you'll take time and quiet yourself and read the word and allow godly men and women to speak to you, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, you'll know exactly what you need to do with your life. Don't be a Pharisee who's got perfect doctrine. Don't be a cultural Christian who's got external conformity, just doing the right things, but in your heart, that's tragic. And don't be a Christian mystic where you're just seeking experience, but hey, you never want to do what God is telling you to do. You're just chasing the fire, but you're not really chasing Him. We go back to James as we begin to conclude. James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Can you imagine 
standing in front of a mirror and going like, is that you? <laughs> Pardon? TM says, after 40 years. <laughs> I never thought I'd end up looking like this. <laughs> okay, maybe in that way you're surprised, but you're not surprised. You're not surprised from yesterday. You're not like, is that me? No, you recognize who you are. And, and Paul's saying, sorry, not Paul, James. James saying it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous to look at the mirror and then walk away and forget it. And so too it is to hear the word and not do it. I'm not mad with you today. I'm not unhappy. It's Resurrection Sunday. I'm happy. I'm glad. I'm grateful. Jesus has forgiven me. He's paid the price for you. There is life and life in abundance. But I'm concerned. I'm concerned that you stay in that first part of that good news and don't move to the second where you say, you know what, my life isn't quite there. I'm not listening and I'm not doing it. And so you're living a suboptimal life. And things aren't just quite the way you'd like them to be. And, and you're not walking the joy and the fulfillment and the purpose. Do you want to keep doing the same things and get the same outcome? How's that working out for you? Yeah, good question. <laughs> How's it working out for you? Or do you want to do it God's way and say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Lord, speak again to me. Lord, here I am. And if you want to send me to the nations or if you just want me to stay here, if you want me to go and apologize to that person, if you want me to give, if you want me to serve, if you want me to whatever, Lord, I'll do it. Because his direction, his instruction, his commands, his leading is for our good. It's for our good. It's for our good. So, Shema Israel is this great statement. Hear, O Israel. Hear God. Hear him for your life. And that hearing involves doing, because if you're going to just never hear, never listen, one day a storm will come, and your life will be revealed. I pray that doesn't happen. I'm not prophesying it. I don't want it. And you don't want it. So will you respond with humility today and say, Lord, speak again to me. Lord, forgive me. As I'm standing I'm going to ask you to stand, some of you to stand in a moment. Don't stand yet. Let me clarify. As I'm standing, I'm standing and saying, Lord, here I am. Speak again, and I'll do what you have me to do. I'm grateful for sins forgiven, but I know there's more. There's more for me, and there's more for you. There's purpose and joy and relationships and, and seeing his kingdom come. If this word is spoken to you, I want to pray for you. And I'm going to ask you to do something as you've heard. And that is to acknowledge that you have not been listening. Not been doing. If that's you, won't you stand and I'm going to pray. Do that now, please. If you're standing, if you're saying, Lord, I'm hearing, but I haven't been doing. If you're standing, saying, Lord, speak to me again. You're standing to say, Lord, forgive me. 
for being resistant, for being hard. He's standing by saying, Lord, I consecrate myself again to you. I followed hard after you in the past, but now, now, I recognize where I am. So, Lord, forgive me. And I'm standing with you. Lord, thank you for the good news that you love us. Thank you that you paid the price for us. Thank you that there's forgiveness. There is grace and there's mercy in you. And Lord, as I stand, as we stand, and as we lift up our hands, Lord, we pray for grace. We pray for change. We pray for renewal. We pray for hearts that are willing to do what you're saying to us. Father, speak afresh to each heart uniquely. Speak of your love. Speak of your purpose. Speak of what each of us needs to do. And Lord, we pray for grace. We pray for power. We pray for might. Lord, that we would do what we're called to do. That we would live the life that we're meant to live. May we not be like the disciples on Resurrection Sunday 2,000 years ago that don't believe. But may we believe. And may it be seen in the attitude of our hearts the sensitivity of our ears and the movement of our lives towards the things you've called us to. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen, amen and Amen.